Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, as always alongside former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. We'll have not one or two, but three Australia legends uh, to join us looking ahead to this summer's Ashes. It's never too soon for an Ashes preview. And uh, we'll hear the thoughts of Glenn McGrath, Mike Hussey, and Mark Taylor. As well as that, we'll discuss the impact uh, the SA20 will have on cricket in South Africa as Protea skipper Dean Elgar once again calls for the governing body in that country to continue to allow players a sufficient amount of test cricket in the future. And then we'll look uh, at some of the other stories this week as bad light denies what was set to be a thrilling end to the second test uh, between Pakistan and New Zealand. Uh, Lord Patel will step down as the chair at Yorkshire and Saqib Mahmood is set to return to competitive cricket with the England Lions. So that and more, plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Harmi, what's uh, what's on your mind? There's been a lot of cricket being played, some of it very one-sided, which I was uh, (laughs) witnessing in Sydney. (laughs) What's on your mind? Yeah, there has been, for for not a lot happening where we are, what we look at, which is obviously the English cricket, I think there has been a lot of eye-opening stuff. You, you look, I was watching the Pakistan game against New Zealand. I'm thinking there's going to come, there's going to be a lot. A rule comes in to say once the umpire says you can only bowl with spinners and the seamers can't bowl anymore because of bad light, then you've got to play the game until it's finished. If that's the case, for me, there was farcical end, and I can see where people get upset with Test cricket being the way it is. You know, three overs to go, they needed some like ten runs. It was like Tim Southey and Babarazam put your heads together and say, right, lads, we're going to finish this game. Come on, umpires, forget the light meters. We need 10, three overs to go. If it's a draw at the end of that, so be it. One wicket left. We've gone five days. Let's have a, let's have a finish. Um, because I'm not sure who would have won. I still think New Zealand had a great chance of winning to get that last wicket and a couple of more edges. And I think 
and then Pakistan would have won it. I mean, yeah, the way the the way the game was going with that that new ball being taken. So that was a uh, something I was, I was quite enjoying and disappointed to see how it ended. There's a lot going to be made of Lord Patel in the decisions that he made when he sacked everybody and when the and Yorkshire having to move on. It's interesting that he's leaving probably before during this this eventual eventual um, inquiry that comes. Um, but there will be people that will criticise his time in the office at Yorkshire, and there will be t- people who said he's done a, a wonderful job. So yeah, that that's interesting how that's going to play out. And there's some exciting names on the England line squad. Really exciting fast bowlers on that England line squad, which tried to stake a claim to get into a place for an Ashes summer because you never know, especially I'm only mentioning fast bowlers because they're the ones that you know tend to rotate five test matches in six weeks. Um, England, a pool of fast bowlers are going to have to be at their best. So with that and you know, the greats talking to you, man, it is over in South Africa, uh, over in Australia where South Africa really haven't turned up. Um, it was good to see that you talk. You've got you managed to get some decent work in, as opposed to writing about how bad South Africa's been for the last three Test matches and just basically fulfilling fixtures. It's all well and good, Dean Algar saying, and I'm with him. South Africa need to play more Test cricket. If you're going to play like that, Dean, you want to be playing less Test cricket because of all. Do you know what I'm really pleased to see is that after two years, you've finally learned uh, to get all the best items from Part Four into the beginning of part one, because I, I always run out of time. Um, so we, we, we don't have to come back to all of those. But um, yeah, you're right. I did uh, have have some fun speaking to Mark Taylor, Glenn McGrath and Mike Cussie. <laughs> Let's hear from the great man himself, Glenn McGrath, first of all. I got caught up with him at the SCG during one of the many rain breaks. Glenn McGrath, what have you made of the New England and baseball and all that? Nine out of ten wins after winning one in 17. Yeah, no, I think uh, I actually like the way they're going about it. You want your players to go out and play without fear, back themselves, and if the shot's there, just just play it as you see it. And yeah, I think with uh, with Baz, with Brad McCullum coming on the scene and Ben Stokes taking over, to me that's the attitude. Now going out there, back yourself, play without fear. Uh, it's amazing what you can achieve, and uh, yeah, nine wins out of ten, and playing some really positive, aggressive cricket. It's good to see. Australia were the first team to revolutionise Test cricket, scoring a four and over, and and the way that uh, that you went about your business in a kind of ruthless efficiency. It's not something that's been associated with England, um, is it? Uh, we found it interesting watching. Um, yeah, well, Brendan McCullum, he wasn't born in Brendan England, was he? So uh, no, but uh, it's I, I look at you know scoring rates in Test cricket went up from when One Day cricket came in, you know going on about two runs and over. Now it went up to four runs and over, and I just wonder if. With T20 cricket, it's been around for quite some time now. Whether now that's starting to translate over, whether McCullum or, or Ben Stokes or the England team have identified look what you can do in T20 cricket if you just back yourself and play without fear. Maybe we can do the same in Test cricket and look what they're achieving. There was there was one you know, going along at six, seven runs and over and scoring runs very quickly and setting up wins and chasing and chasing them down even more so, which is uh, quite remarkable. So they've done it against India and New Zealand and South Africa, and then they went to Pakistan and, and carried on, and people said, can they do it, can they, can they do it here? Can this approach, is it sustainable during an Ashes? Um, it's interesting. If, um, if you're winning all the time, then it's very sustainable, isn't it? It's what would be the true test if, um, you know, if you get on, uh, lose a couple of games, lose a couple of test matches, 
you know, in a bad way, then uh, it's... But I I like this the approach. Like I said, I'd love them to continue no matter what happens against Australia. They're a quality bowling unit. They've got some good batsmen as well. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting, isn't it? So uh, now I'm looking forward to the to the battle and uh, whether it will uh, continue during the Ashes. It's six months ago. It's going to be a long wait for those who are excited by the New England. But if it was to start in two weeks' time, who would your money be on? I'm not really one to go out for predictions. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but no, my money's still on Australia. But yeah, they, you've got to give it to to the English the way they're going about it. Positive, aggressive, backing yourself. I think of that team in 2005 where England beat the Australian team for the first time in a long time and that team was playing with a lot of confidence. They had the same group of guys together. Michael Vaughan was doing a great job as uh, as leader. So maybe there's uh, something in what uh, Ben Stokes leading. They've got a team full of confidence. They're going to be tough to beat. Final question, Promise. People talk about the scoring rate, England scoring at six and over. But from a bowling point of view, it's been interesting. Um, like with Jimmy Anderson in Pakistan, Van Stokes said, I don't care if you're driven. I don't mind if you're driven, if you concede runs. Yeah. Um, and he's giving him, you know, slips and, and all the wicket-taking options and almost sort of pushing the bowlers to go as hard as the batters. Well, that's why it should be. What the bowler's job is to take wickets. They're not there to, to just bowl made ball overs or dot balls. They're there to take wickets. And the way you go about it is by building pressure and, and getting the ball in the right area more the time than not. So, uh, yeah, if the, the bowler gets it up there, it gives him more chance of finding the edge, carrying to the slips. I want the fieldsman in the slips. So there's nothing worse than an edge going through a vacant third or vacant fourth slip. If you've got the guys there, batsman makes a makes an error or a mistake, he's out. And that's why it should be. And, yeah, so it's good to see they're back in their bowlers too. Looking forward to it, the Ashes? Yeah, no, it should be fun. Yeah, it's always a great... Uh, a great series, Australia versus England. As a young fella, that was the ultimate for me. And, you know, I grew up watching it. I was lucky enough to play in it. Quite a few Asia series, and I still enjoy it now. So, yeah, can't wait. That's fast bowling great uh, Glenn McGrath. And, of course, it was uh, the, the pink test match in memory of uh, Jane McGrath, his uh, former wife who died of breast cancer, and uh, the McGrath Foundation. So he was a very, very busy man. I, 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 it made me smile the way he uh, had a laugh at himself. Um, and I could just see the, the tabloid headlines. Glenn McGrath fails to predict 5-0 win for Australia. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? He just, you can't, you can't see him saying what he said. There's only you at that. But I think there was a lot of stuff that big fella said there with gritted teeth. He, he would he'd have got them down to his gums. He'd have been grinding them like you'd not believe. Um, not predicting a 5-0 win from an, England, uh, from an Australian point of view. I think it's going to be a fascinating series. Uh, he's right. I think England are ready for Australia, like we always are when we're over here. Not so much when we go to Australia, but I think we're in for a, a fascinating series. And if Glenn McGrath's saying it's going to be closer than five mil, then a bit like he mentioned, two thousand and five, maybe we're going to have a contest that the you know, the the world is going to enjoy in a, in a series which will go down with greatness. He compared it to 2005. I don't think he was comparing the personnel. I think he was comparing the anticipation, the level of excitement. I think that's what he was doing. I think when, when, when you hear him talking about the 2005 series, it was, it was a fascinating series because of what led into 2005. I don't think it this far out, 2005 was on everybody's lips, I think, 2005 became a much eagerly awaited series 
after the one day at nationals. So from May, June, July, that's when they ramped up that this 2005 series could be huge. It could be massive. But at this minute in time, what we are six months out, I think there's more anticipation for this series than there was for 2005. I, I, so I get what you're saying on that. But when you look at it in the great deal, you know, in the grand scheme of things, there's two fantastic sides going head to head here. And a lot has been made of the McCollum Stokes. Can they do it against spin? Can they do it in Pakistan? Can they do it yeah, against a good ball and attack of South Africa? Well, they've answered all them, yes. I think the biggest thing, like I said last week, is that this is what's going to be thrown at them. It's not can they do it against Stark Commons and Hazelwood. Can they do it in the Ashes? Because the Ashes, you know, that five-letter word, Ashes, puts... It, it does. It, it means something completely different because of what Ashes cricket does. If England can win the series like the way they've been playing, then this team could go down as one of the greatest teams that England have ever had. OK, let's hear from Mr Cricket now, Mike Hussey. And just a word uh, about the man himself. You know, I had to ask three or four times everybody else and then remind uh, people four or five times. I asked Mike Hussey once. He said yes. He checked his commentary schedule. He said, I'll tea- see you at 10.38 in the morning and can I get you a cup of tea? Brilliant, man. Mike. <laughs> brilliant, man. Brilliant, brilliant. This is Mike Hussey on the Ashes. Oh, it's been awesome to watch, hasn't it? It's been exciting cricket. It's been really uh, aggressive cricket. Um, brave, I guess, brave cricket. And so, yeah, I think we're all salivating uh, for the Ashes series to start next year. Uh, no, later this year. Do you think it can stand up to the pressure of Ashes? It's different. Yeah, well, it'll depend on the conditions, I think. Yeah, it's not going to be easy if there is certainly some movement in the pitch uh, to come out and just tee off, really, against a, a very good Australian bowling attack. But I still think it can have a positive effect. If you come out with a positive frame of mind and a, and a confidence, that automatically transfers some pressure back onto the bowling team. And so they'll know that their margin for errors are quite small. I think the Australians will come into it thinking, OK, we're, we know they're going to come hard at us, and that might create opportunities for wickets. So... I don't know. I don't know as the short answer which way it's going to go, but um, depending on the conditions, it can um, it can go one or two ways. Australia was the first team to revolutionise Test cricket, scoring a four and over. But I mean, this is different level, isn't it? They're scoring a six and over. Yeah, I know. It's exciting. It's exciting to watch. And um, but even you know, I, I still don't think it's just been gung ho batting the whole time. I, I still think there's been times when they've played some smart cricket as well. If the conditions haven't quite been in their favour, they've still looked to be positive and aggressive, but. In a smart fashion, it's not just being sort of T20 style teeing off, you know. So that that's where I think you know it's going to might be the difference in the Ashes if they're going to have to show still some tactical batting nous as well at various stages. But it's just good that they just want to keep pushing the game forward and keep moving the game forward as much as they can. And and quite often, what I just know from playing in the Australian teams, the quicker you score the runs, it means you've got more time to be able to take your 20 wickets as well. So uh, yeah, I know it's it's good to watch. And it's not just with the bat, is it? I mean, they're doing some funky things with the ball as well, picking part-time spinners in Pakistan, and, you know, Jimmy Anderson just keeps rolling on. He's amazing. Phenomenal longevity. To be able to continue to bowl at that high-quality level for so long is, is just incredible, really. It feels like he's never going to stop, but, um, you know, they've, they've built some really good depth um, over the last, or well, probably four or five years, really, in, in all forms of the game. You know, I was sort of lucky enough to be part of the T20 World Cup campaign, and there were some injuries along the way, but they were able to continue to um, replace those uh, injured players with high-quality cricketers. And, and I feel as though even in the test team, it's the same. There's a, they've got a number of fast bowlers in particular 
that they can roll through that test team. So that's exciting. It's also a little bit scary, and I'd hate to be a selector to try and have to narrow it down to about you know three, three or four picks. And final one for you, um, Brendan McCunnam says uh, his coaching philosophy is just to encourage the guys to have fun. And Ben Stokes is, you know, pretty much says a similar thing. Are they underplaying their influence? Well, yeah, they are. Because it's all good and well to, you know, to say that. And it's very easy to just sort of say, just go out there and have fun and, and you, know, you know, express yourself. You hear it all the time. And I think that a lot of the time it's been lip service, but, but they've actually backed it up with, even if things haven't quite gone to plan or they've lost a test match, they've still kept showing faith in, in the way they wanted to play their cricket. And... Um, and I guess they're creating an environment where it is fun, you know, and it is exciting to play, you know, when you're playing in matches like this where you're chasing down, you know, runs in the in the fourth innings and you're doing it as quick as you possibly can and winning test matches, and that's when you're going to have a lot of fun. So I think they're creating a really special environment. They've said that they want to get people watching test cricket. That bit's worked. Oh, without doubt. And, and I'm sure the Ashes series is going to be one incredible series. I don't think there's going to be a spare seat in any of the, the stadiums for the all five days of all five test matches. Um and that's awesome for the game because certainly as a former player, we want Test cricket to last for, forever, really. And um, when the players are putting on Test cricket like this, then it's a great advertisement for the game. Former Australia batter and uh, the man widely known, as I said, as Mr Cricket, Mike Hussey, speaking to me at the SCG um, a little earlier on. Fantastic stuff. Uh, just a very quick uh, thought um, on what he said there. Yeah, uh, scoring runs quickly if you tried to take 20 wickets. That was massively important in Pakistan, but... I think he was uh, questioning whether it was quite so important at uh, Headingley and and Old Trafford and everywhere else in England. Yeah, it's, it's obviously, I think he's trying to say it's a different contest when you go to England. You try to score runs quickly. Uh, ball wasn't doing a great deal in Pakistan. Yeah, it, it is a different mindset when you're playing overseas than what you are in England. But England proved last summer that they can score runs quickly to buy themselves some time to give their bowlers a chance. And I don't see England's game plan changing. Like I said, after what Glenn McGrath said, it's that the whole contest could be, it's not coming down to England versus Australia's batting versus bowling. It's about who handles the pressure of Ashes cricket. And by and large, I feel a little bit like what Glenn was trying to say, is that if you go 1-0 down, where where's the mindset then? Can you come out and score six runs and over? when you're losing 1-0 after the first test match. And, you know, and that's when you look at 2005 to compare, that was our mindset change in Edgebaston after Glenn Boulders out at Lords was like, they're going to take 20 wickets. It's inevitable that McGrath and Warner are going to take 20 wickets, but these have got, and it, this has shown you how long ago it was and what it was like. We've got, we've got, we've got to go close to four and over, stand any chance of beating Australia because they're going to get 20 wickets, but we need to belt them by doing that. And we thought belting them at four and over was changing test match cricket. In England, they've just gone seven and over for a test match. In, in Pakistan, game's gone mad. <laughs> it has. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. There is a lot uh, of time and cricket uh, to go and be played before that Ashes series. But um, uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, it's never too early to to start talking about the Ashes six months out. And so, former Australian captain Mark Taylor. It's been quite the change, Mark Taylor, for uh, England, winning 9 out of 10, um, having won 1 out of 17. So, a profound scene change. Absolutely, and just a change of attitude. That, and that's made every player in that England side play better cricket. 
I was only going through a few of their scorecards last night, that recent series against Pakistan, which they won 3-0. They won that because they've changed their attitude towards the game. And that's not necessarily, you know, I was partly being prepared to lose a game to win one. That's part of it. But I think it's just freeing the players up to play the way that they feel comfortable playing because their 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 names haven't changed much. Duckett's back in the team. Crawley, uh, Ollie Pope. I, I saw a lot of these guys over the last couple of years really struggle. I, I can only assume they didn't feel like they were quite up to the standard. Now they're not not only up to standard, they're making hundreds. Uh, blokes like Ollie Robertson taking wickets, looking fitter, enjoying his cricket. So that Stokes McCullum partnership has just freed up the England players, and they're playing to the best of their ability, and that's absolute huge credit. I can't give Ben Stokes any more credit than that. That's what captains should do. Let your players be as good as they can be. They make it sound simple. You make it sound simple, but you were an international captain for a long time, and I'm sure you must have said to players, just express yourself. Play with freedom. It's easy to say. <laughs> no doubt it is, but I think showing some faith in them. You know, said I've always thought Ollie Pope could play, and when I saw him in England this year, they put him back up to three. It didn't work straight away because the, they played New Zealand, there was a bit in the decks, but they kept hanging in there with him because they knew he could play and he can play. They've stuck with him and then all of a sudden he starts making some hundreds and then he starts believing he can play. Harry Brooks is probably another one. They, You look at a player you think, that guy can play. And you've got to stick with them a little bit and I don't think England have done that enough. But I, as I said, I don't know these guys but I can only assume looking on that they now believe they can play and they can compete. So uh, the, the Ashes series coming up, Australia, England, I think will be a cracker because this Aussie team think they can play and they can play. Uh-huh. And now England do as well. So I think it's going to be a great series. What effect does it have on the opposition, do you think, when uh, a team comes out and plays test cricket, not like it's a benefit game, but they're scoring at six and over but, and they've got five slips in. And, and you know, that, it, what kind of effect does that have on a team that's used to playing in a certain way? Well, well in a way, I think it, it reminds them of how they played the game leading up to the to the time they got their, their blue English camp. And they think, oh, that's right, that's why I play. When I played league cricket or what they call it, their district cricket, this is how I used to play. Now I'm allowed to play this way for England. You know, they're looking at English cricket over a number of years. I think a lot of players have got to that next level and there's been this maybe subconscious thought that I have to now play a certain way which is not how I used to play. And that's not right. And, and I think Ben Stokes has illustrated that. And obviously McCullum's also played his part in that. So these guys are now just playing as if they're playing league cricket. Yes, they'll get judged harder when it doesn't work. We will all jump on them and say that they were rash and what have you. But that's that's the give and take of, of international cricket. I'll be interested to see how they do play this year in the Ashes series because I think the wickets will have something in them. They, they scored six or seven and over on absolute roads in Pakistan. I'll be surprised if they score that quickly against Australia. And they may not try to score that quickly. I think they'll say, be aggressive, play a natural game, but it won't be easy to hit Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark, Boland around a headingly pitch that's moving off the sea. Getting six or seven and over won't be that easy, but I think they'll still look to be aggressive, which will be great viewing because I think you're going to see quality bowling against batsmen who now believe they can play and have a bit of freedom to play their shot. So I think it makes for exciting cricket. And finally, when two heavyweights come together and one of them starts swinging early, often the other one gets drawn into that, <laughs> that slugfest. Do you think Australia might get drawn into 
I don't know if they'll get drawn into the slugfest, but you yeah, look at Warner. It, you know, if he goes, well, I'm not sure if he's going to go yet, but if he goes, he plays that way anyway. He's always played that way. So he'll he'll continue to play like that. It will be interested, I think, to see Labuschagne and Smith. They, they've now, you know, they're both averaging 60 or 60 plus. They've played a certain way now for a number of years. I don't think they're going to change. They'll play their style of cricket and, and away they'll go. Travis Head, he'll be a bit more like Warner. He'll play a shot. So I think you'll see Australia play the way they have played, which is fairly aggressively. Uh, but it's not six and over. But as I said, I'll be surprised if either side in the Ashes series scores that quick. It's going to be a cracking series, isn't it? <laughs> I'm looking forward to going to it. I hope I can get there for all five because, well... I hope we don't talk it up too much because the only thing, the only disappointing thing is it's all over too quickly for mine. With sides playing the way they're going to play, five tests in six weeks. If one side gets a bit of a roll on, they could win two or three in a row and the series is over, which would be a real shame because to me, the 100 ain't going to be the highlight of English summer. It'll be the test series. That was former Australia uh, captain Mark Taylor speaking to me earlier this week at the SCG. A couple of comments there. I did um, like... His response, Harmi, when I said that as a captain, um, he makes it sound very easy to say, well, just go and express yourself. Just go and play your natural game. And he laughed. He laughed because it obviously brought back memories of him trying to do that. And the respect clearly that he has for Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum being able to do that was quite obvious. It's great, isn't it? They're worried. It's brilliant. Australia are worried. You know, stop the car, as Bumble would say. You know, they are concerned. Australia, I've never heard former great players from Australia talk about England in such a glowing, positive way, leading into an Ashes. And Mark Taylor, what a man, great great guy, great commentator. Man, is you getting three great interviews there of top men who have done brilliantly in Ashes cricket. Um, and listening to them, all of them work in the TV and in the media. And the role sound as though they're very, very concerned about What's going to happen to their team, Australia, against England over over here in six months' time? And the big thing that they're talking about is the positivity of the way of, of the England cricket team playing. It's stopping that train and trying to derail them off the tracks because you know, a lot of them talk about 2005. A lot of them have talked about scoring rates and run rates and being able to handle and being able to steer with this England side. And... When you talk about going and buy on day, buy on days, I'm looking at my time playing cricket, and we always talked about it was always Warren and McGraw, and these these guys now are talking about our our team and glowing reference to how well England have played, and that for me, you listen to Mark Tilley's talked about, you know, it's like watching kids play in the park, it's like watching kids growing up playing club cricket, just going out there, no fear, and you can have that mindset, but you've got to have talent. England have got talent. You can have that mindset and you've got to have belief. And Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum instills belief in this group. And you can have that mindset and try and play that way if you are backed. And what well, I think we've seen throughout Zach Crawley's last 12 months that these two guys, if they believe in you and they feel as though you're the right person for this team, they will back you. And that gives you a huge amount of confidence from an individual point of view. So, so commentators are coming over. McGrath will be here working on the radio. So will Hussey for TV. So will Mark Taylor, brilliant commentator, one of the best commentators of my, my, of my growing up. 
they will all be over here talking about Australia against England in the ashes. And they're all worried at this minute in time, which is great for, for English cricket and Ben Stokes and the England cricket team. I think worried and excited in equal measure. I mean, I talked to uh, Taylor, who are you going to be commentating for? And he said, I don't care. He said, I'll go anyway. I'm I'm that excited about it. And you know the way an interview always carries on after you turn the the, the recorder off? I asked him at one point, do you think this approach by England will stand up to the scrutiny of an Ashes series? And uh, he gave a a diplomatic answer. Basically, we'll see. But as soon as I pressed stop on the recorder, he said, I think they will, you know. Yeah, I think the world. I just don't think. I, I I think this is Ben, the Ben I know. You have to take the the things that's going through that lad's mind at times. I'm sure Brendan McCollum's taking things out of it. Yeah, I'm sure he's. I'm, I'm convinced he's got to be going. Ben, we can't do that one. We can do this one, but that's radical. That is that is, and he's doing some radical things anyway. So the, there are things I'm sure Brent, Brendan McCollum is just filtering through the the things of how well, how positive and how exciting he wants his team to play. And I'm sure, you know, we'll not know this until the, the both have finished, but I'm sure Brendan McCullum, when he writes a book or talks about it, Ogden, honestly, when he's former England coach, will probably say there's things that Ben Stokes wanted to do that we just wasn't possible. But he's got to be able to do it. The only way he could do it is with a team that is in a great place. I think at this minute in time, there were one win from 17. I think they're now 10 wins from 11 or nine wins from 10. There's a lot of similarities going into the, this series because the series has been mentioned over the 2005. A lot of similarities going into from Test Match cricket point of view that we took the world off and we were the best. For me, we were the best team in the world in 2005 when we got to play Australia. And I think England are in the same place now than what we were in 2005 because I actually think this team... Uh, ben Stokes and Brendan McCormick put together are the best team in the world. And I think Australia are close second. So it's going to be a humdinger of a series. And I'm like Mark Taylor. I'm not bothered if I can get a job commentating or what, hospitality. Tell you what, I, I've, got three, I've, I've got three or four offers at the minute for three or four test matches. I will be there in one capacity or another. Probably hospitality with a pie and lager in my hand. But boy, I'm going to enjoy not only the lager, but the cricket as well. <laughs> um, it's not just the Aussies that have been talking about uh, the Ashes, of course. Um, South Africa's been a Keshab Maharaj who endured a torrid series. He took one for 160. Well, sorry, one for 260 in that in that area uh, in the three chess matches. He was asked what uh, he thought uh, would happen in the Ashes. From an experience point of view, it's probably one of the more experienced batting lineups that you're going to face nowadays. I do believe that they have the top order to make sure that they're creating that base and to allow that middle order to come play as free. Obviously, when Cameron Green comes back, he's also someone that can, you know, really time the ball sweetly and take the game. And you've got Travis Head, who's been in some really good form in this last year or two. So I think it will be a good series <laughs> when that does come about. But I do believe the Australian batting lineup is obviously probably one of the best in the world right now. That's Keshav Maharaj uh, talking about the strength of uh, the Australian top order. But as you said, if England aren't uh, the best team in the world at the moment, they are certainly playing like the best team in the world. And that's all that matters, isn't it? And no doubt we'll continue building up to what promises to be one of the most exciting Ashes series over the course of the next few months. But for now, this is the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two-time county championship winner Steve Harmison.
Next up in part three, we'll talk South Africa and whether their test game is under threat with the launch of the inaugural SA20 this week. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. Now available, as always, via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. There's uh, yeah, big English involvement in uh, the SA20, as there is indeed in the ILT20 in the UAE. Uh, there have been no bells and whistles spared from the SA20. The uh, social media teams and the publicity agents, the PR people have um, uh, really, really pushed the boat out to to make sure that this thing works. Uh, there was a launch of uh, involving all six captains and the uh, the league commissioner, Graham Smith. It's all or nothing, Hami. Um, rather like the ECB loaded all of their eggs into the 100 basket, I think there was a way out. If the 100... If the hundred doesn't succeed, and and it will, because it you know as we've been saying for two years, it has to. There is everything, and more. It's not just the building of South African cricket; it's the foundations and the future of the entire game is reliant on this league working and being a success. It's a mini IPL, of course. Yeah, and it, to be honest, man, it's, it's more important that the SCA twenty works and the hundred works, because if the hundred doesn't work. Yes, they've thrown a ridiculous amount of money at it and they've got to make it work. But if it doesn't, there's still 18 counties. There's a county structure. You've got the blast. You've got things to fall back on that. You could sort of work it in a different way. I don't think you can do that with South African cricket. I think all the, the whinging and moaning that Dean Elgar has done over the course of the last six months about test cricket, first-class status, first-class structures, 
I think it's dependent on this short tournament. And you mentioned eggs in one basket. All the chickens are in there as well. There's just nowhere to go here. It's got to happen. It's got to go well. I think it will. I think it will. Because my little bits of South African cricket, I think if you put a, a decent night on, people will come out and watch. You know, the big venues, the old one day nationals that we played. We played, I think it was in 2004, we played, I can't, still can't believe we played seven one day nationals in about fortnight. Everywhere we went, I think we played Cape Town twice, East London once. But everywhere we went, when the lights were on, the public came out to watch. They didn't enjoy what they seen because Peterson kept belting it everywhere. It affected not long before that. But they still come out to watch. And I think that's the most important thing. The all the money that goes into it, you've got to have you've got to have a ridiculously bells and whistles viewing experience. And I think they've got some big names, spent a lot of money. But when the lights are on at Cape Town and two teams are going head to head with some of the world's best players playing. If visually you've got a full crowd and everybody's having a good time, like they did with like they do with a hundred, then I think you've got a chance of it succeeding. If it succeeds, the knock-on effect financially and structurally will benefit domestic cricket. Hopefully, to then now a knock-on effect, make sure that the international game becomes a lot more a lot more sustainable and stronger when it comes to the players that they pick, because at this minute in time. You know, your test match captain is talking about you know first class cricket not being up to the job because the pool of players aren't enough. Well, I know it's shorter format and it's white ball cricket, but if like England have proven in the test match arena that if you get players playing well, because they're all talented, you've got a chance of building it, building something and building a team. And I think it's starts with this tournament and it's got to it's got to work because if it doesn't, where South Africa cricket goes if it doesn't work and the one thing, the, the, my biggest thing from the outside has always been South African cricket the same as West Indian cricket and Pakistan cricket. If politics becomes big, then you can have the best uh, product and it won't work because of politics. He said, she said, and he wants their little pound of nap. If that comes into it, which I don't think it will with the Indians, and I think then it's got a chance. You mentioned Dean Elgar there and the comments that uh, he's been making. Um, once again, he talked up a big game on the tour of Australia. He ended up with um, 53 runs at an average of 9.3. Of all touring captains who've ever come to Australia, only one, with a minimum of five innings, has averaged less than that, and his name was Courtney Walsh. Uh, so um, he's had an absolute stinker. And, um, and, and, I, and I'm afraid to say that it continued right until his post-series press conference, uh, when somebody asked him the perfectly legitimate question about whether he still had the desire to carry on. He is 36 after all. And um, he rather sniffily said, uh, well, what kind of question is that? Yes, I do. I thought it was perfectly legitimate. Anyway, here he is talking about uh, the future of Test cricket in the country and uh, what he hopes will be done to make sure that the, the format stays healthy. And after him, We'll hear from the interim head coach, Malabongwe Maketa. Our downfall is obviously our, our currency, and we're always going to be chasing the dollar. <laughs> Unfortunately, at whatever it is to our rand, we're always going to be behind the pack with regards to that. So you can understand why players, they see their careers as a short one, and if they feel like they need to maximize it for their period, that's their decision. But 
I do feel that there is space for compensation around your purest format, which is which is this one. Um, and if that's something that I can leave with one day when I hang up my boots, it's something that I really want to motivate Cricket South Africa to still entertain. They still need to entertain their players to, to play this format. It also works hand in hand with the amount of games you have to play in a year. We, at the moment, have been stripped a little bit from playing more games. And hopefully in the future, um, near future, there could be more fixtures added to what we currently have for the next year. I know Cricket South Africa is working hard on getting more and more test matches for us. It's been said enough that we, we'd like to play more for us to grow and for these players to grow. They have to play and they need to be exposed uh, to come here. Yes, in terms of experience, I felt we had enough first-class experience, but that's not nowhere near enough to compete at this level. I don't believe a lot of the first class around the world is going to prepare you for test cricket um, against this quality bowling, which then means your first class performers need to be exposed to the next level. And that's what I, I believe we should be focusing on, exposing the guys who are performing at first class level. Even SAA games and um, being closer to this team and get the feel on what test cricket is all about. Remember South African captain Dean Elgar and uh, after him, the interim head coach, Malabongwe Maketa, speaking after the rain-affected uh, draw in the third test in Sydney. Alga says uh, people, players, regard their careers as short, and he understands that uh, they need to, to chase the dollar. All of us who live in South Africa know exactly what he means. Dollar, pound, <laughs> euro, Australian dollars. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> we I, love get that, man. I get that man, isn't it? It's, it's right. Yeah, you, you are a, a self-employed a cricketer who needs to provide for your family. And the rant I had a, a bit earlier about producing the best team, best test team that South Africa can off the back of this shorter format tournament. Dwayne Pretorius has just retired from international cricket because he sees himself playing shorter format cricket, chasing the money. I didn't wholeheartedly believe what his uh, reasons were when he made a statement, but hey-ho, he's just basically trying to say that he's going to protect his family and why didn't he just come out and say I'm try and make as much money as I can over the next few years is that the only thing from a South African test team point of view or an international team's point of view that could stand in the way of this shorter format tournament building a bigger pool of players if the bigger pool of players decide you know what I don't want to play for South Africa yeah um, I'd just like to say Hami that um, I uh, have turned down several other radio assignments to pursue my career goal of becoming the best presenter with you on the Cricket Collective <laughs> as I as I possibly can. No, it's it's silly, isn't it? I mean, it's it's nonsense. Dwayne, come on, Dwayne. He said in his statement that his goal was to become the best short format cricketer that he could possibly be. No, it isn't. That would be a happy byproduct. Well done if you do that. Your goal with two young children is to make as much money as you possibly can, Dwayne. So just say it. That's all. It's, it's okay. It's fine. And many other South African cricketers are in the same position. Quinton de Kock, um has just started a family. He's not yet 30. He retired from test cricket because he wants to make as much money as he possibly can. It's well known that he doesn't adore the game. He is no Mr. Cricket. Quinton de Kock plays the cr cricket because he happens to be good at it and makes very good money. He much prefers walking his dogs and fishing. But he has set out to make as much money as he possibly can from the game. And 
you know what? Entertaining the crowd and playing good cricket and becoming the best short format cricketer that he can are all happy byproducts of making as much money as you can and securing your future. And and that's what South African cricketers have been doing for many years and will continue to do. That for me is possibly why the, the international team might suffer because of this tournament. You'd, you'd hope that the tournament would help enhance the players and their ability to get back there. But when Dwayne Pretoria says he wants to be the best shortest format player he can possibly be, well, surely you're judged on, if you're very good, what you do for your national team, not what you do for the Mumbai Cape Town or, or whatever the names are called over in South Africa, or if you get an IPL gig. Josh Butler's the best shortest format player in the world. I don't believe he's the best shortest format player in the world when he's playing for the Manchester Originals or you know the Rajasthan Royals. I judge Joss Butler as the best short-format player in the world when he gets 100 in the World Cup, when he belts other national teams all over, the, all over Australia in the World T20 and he wins it. That, for me, is why he's the best short-format player in the world, not what he does in domestic cricket. So I'm with you. Just come out and say, if you don't want to play for South cricket, that's fine. But don't try and shove a coat up so you're not chasing the money. It's the most important thing. You're a self-employed cricketer. Money is the most important thing. But playing for your national team surely should bring the rewards that you're looking for from a financial point of view as well. The problem with the SA20 at the moment is that uh, rather like professional golf, the very top bracket at the top of the payment structure get very, very well paid. Mm. Um, but there are lots below that. I mean, there, there are uh, a dozen cricketers getting more than a million rand. That's uh, 50,000 pounds. Um, but some are getting paid uh, four, five, six million, you know, which is 250, 300,000 pounds. But there are a lot at the bottom end who are getting the minimum of 175,000 rand, which is, you know, 10 pound 50. You know, the, the base price in dollars, in pounds, in other hard currencies, in other leagues is um, significantly better. And that's what Drone Pretorius is, is going to to go and look after and, and, and seek, and good for him for doing that. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harmison, who missed out on all the big paychecks, of course, in uh, the... <laughs> OK, let's just quickly go back to the um, end of the second test uh, between Pakistan and New Zealand. It was uh, it was thrilling stuff. You mentioned a couple of very good points early on in part one, Harmy. I just want to mention one other thing. When the umpires say you can only bowl spinners now, if the bowling side don't take wickets and look like they might lose it, they only have to bring their quick bowlers back. Yeah. So why not have a regulation which says if the umpires say you can only bowl spinners and both sides agree, then by agreeing, you have effectively agreed to play the game to a conclusion and actually make it a law of the game. I'm 100%. That's the biggest one from coming out of this for me is is once the spin bowlers has to come on, then the only way you can come off is by the light meter, which they did. You can't bring your seamer back on. You can't threaten to bring your seamer back on and you play the game. The rules and regulations are there to, to manage the game. I get that. I really get that. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm fully 100% behind that. But there are sometimes some situations where common sense can come into it you're on the field where common sense throws a rule book at the game. Both captains go to each other. We agree to finish this game in three overs. That's it. Whatever happens, if it's a drawn three overs, Barbara Zam says to Tim Southey, 
come on, together, poker, let's show our hands and let's let's play it out. All in, in the open. The light is gone, but it's not as though somebody else is coming into the wicket. There's nobody else coming into the game. I've got three overs to spin. You need nine runs, ten runs, whatever it is. Let's bowl the three overs. And if we win, great. If we lose, well, we've had a, we've had five great days and we've had, we've got an outcome. For me, this is the one game where the draw shouldn't have been in the equation unless they got didn't get the nine runs or they didn't get the wicket in them three overs. And when you are living in a world of shortest format, just completely dominating and taking over and people saying what's the point of test cricket, I actually think that was for them arguments on the positive side of what's the point of test cricket, the way that game farcically finished. So we can argue ping ball. We can argue many, many other trying solutions to get us to a position because I know there's people saying, well, Red Bull's always been Test Match Cricket, and it has, but we didn't have lights in the past. We haven't, if we need to, pardon the pun, we need to keep the lights on to keep Test Match Cricket going. Ben Stokes and ben, Brendan McCollum, for me, have saved Test Cricket over the course of the last 12 months because it was going down a corridor, which I didn't think it was going to come back from. Just went back into that corridor at the end of that game for me when we didn't get a conclusion when it was blatantly obvious that three overs wasn't going to take a great deal of time. Yeah, sorry, Harmy. I spoke to Sean Pollock about this. Now, um, he sat uh, for many years on the ICC Cricket Committee um, where recommendations are made to the MCC regarding the laws of the game. He said in the when the first day-night test match was played, he said the moment the technology is good enough um, for the pink ball to stand up to uh, the rigours of Test Match Cricket, it should be implemented at least at every ground which has a problem with bad light, like Durban, that's his home ground, that's bad light at four o'clock every afternoon. But he's adamant now and has been saying it for years and years and years that Test Cricket should be played with a pink ball. And he says, you know, I, the number of weak, timid excuses that he's heard from people saying, oh, well, you know, we're still not sure about the pink ball. As he said, if we could put a man on the moon 50 years ago, are you telling me we can't perfect a pink cricket ball? For goodness sake, get on with it. Play with the pink ball. Take bad light out of the equation. We're in the entertainment business. And that's my third rant in this program. I don't know what's wrong with me. Very good, manners. You must be tied over there in Australia. You really thought you ready for a little bit involved with Cape Town, son. You're missing, you're missing the wine of Cape Town. That's what the problem is. You'll be back soon. Um, it's me that normally goes on the big rants. I agree with him. Look, we've, we've got to keep changing the game to make it better. And will pink ball make the game better? I don't know, but the one thing it will do, we'll get conclusions. And the conclusions we're getting at the end of test matches when it's dark with a red ball is not the conclusions we need because test match cricket is, is staring into the darkness. It needs a bit of light. And that bit of light could be the pink ball because that we don't have that problem in England I don't think we're going to solve the problem we've got in England which is the weather and we can't put roofs on stadiums but overseas when we only get five five and a half hours daylight in some of these countries that we play in there's got to be a solution and the solution is at this minute in time the pink ball and I don't know why they're so reluctant to use it because over a lot of countries overseas that are played the blue play cricket when it gets when it gets dark they play with the same ball all the time. It tends to be the Kukubra ball. South Africa use a Kukubra ball. Um, it's a, it is a used in Pakistan. Um, not so much in India. 
So it is the same ball that we are we're using. So why try and sort of push back against it? Why don't we use the pink ball to then give ourselves a chance to play another? What sometimes England were losing ten overs, fifteen overs in a, in a day. If it wasn't the case, the fact that England was scoring at seven and over, we would have had some drab Test matches, and then Test cricket would have been questioned over this winter. And guess what? It's that time of the show where, despite your efforts to do part four in part one, we have still got five items left and only two minutes. The, the wonderful Scott Taylor has just given me the two-minute sign. So the England Lions test and ODI squad was announced. I don't know whether any names uh, caught your eye there. Surya Kumar Yadav with another astonishing um, hundred from 46 balls to win the series against Sri Lanka. Gary Balance straight into the Zimbabwe national team um, to face Ireland this week without playing a single domestic game. And, um, yeah, very best wishes to to Alex Stewart, um, who's decided to step away temporarily from his day-to-day duties at Surrey uh, to look after his dear wife. Yeah, and the, the, it's great to see Gary Balance have a game because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, like Dwayne Pretorius, he's a self-employed cricketer who needs to earn a living and he's hopefully going to give him his best chance of going back and playing in his native Zimbabwe. No doubt the boy's a talented cricketer and he'll do well for Zimbabwe. The names that stand out for me are, this is obviously the three fast bowlers that have had recognition with England. Matt Fisher, Saki Mahmood, two that I think have got bright, bright futures in the game if they can stay fit. The biggest one, and I'm biased again because he's from Durham. And another South African boy, that we've we've stole from from over your way matters, <clears throat> but I think if we can get Brian Cars fit, I think he's got a chance of playing in the Ashes. I really do. He bats at number eight. He's a quick bowler with good height, good pace. You know, he'll release the ball at that two meter mark. If we can keep him fit, for me, he could get a lot of Test match wickets. Um, he's the most exciting young bowler I've seen in a long time. Uh, so to see him back in the squads is is great to see and. I echo what you just said there about the gaffer, Alex Stewart, and the stepping back from Surrey. Um, I seen him just before Christmas, along with Lynn, um, at a Newcastle match um, in great spirits. And, and I'm sure everybody in the country, know whether they're a cricket fan or not, is wishing the Stewart family well because Alex Stewart has given a lot his time and his effort to, to English cricket. Um, and I think... You know, we all need to give him as much support as we possibly can because what the family goes through is 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 heartbreaking. So we wish the Stuart family well. We do indeed, and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on both the England Lions Test squad and ODI squad. I'm particularly pleased to see Matt uh, Matt uh, Critchley in the ODI squad, and he's yeah. become a personal favourite of yours and mine. Uh, That's another nice. couple of years. Right, um, that's it for this week then. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmus. And if you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at uh, the same time next week. And uh, remember that uh, you can listen to exclusive commentary, ball-level commentary of England's three-match ODI series in South Africa later on this month, and we'll be talking about that uh, next week. This has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. 
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.